Thank you for joining us. I'm Paul Wilson. And I'm Alex Hogue. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, we got on a returning guest today. We're going to be talking with Jaden uh, from Duramax Tuner, our one of our lead technicians and sled pull expert. Uh, for now, I want to give a quick shout out to all of our sponsors. Of course, uh, we love working with XDP. They're their one-stop shop for power and performance. Located up there in New Jersey, but they service all of the internet. Uh, you can, pretty much anything you need for your truck, you'll be able to find over at XDP. Of course, we've also been working with WC Fab since the inception of Duramax Tuner. Uh, we love talking with Jason and Ryan and all of the crew over at uh, Whirly Custom Fabrication and Whirly uh, Custom Powder Coating. The reason we love their products is because they work and they fit. And that, that sounds like two really simple things to ask for, but once you start getting into intakes and intercooler pipes and all of the other cool stuff that they do, uh, those can be real hard questions to answer uh, and have it be accurate. But but you can trust that you're going to get a premium product uh, and a premium service every time you work with WC Fab. And speaking of premium, uh, you don't get better in the high-pressure common rail fuel injection game than you do with Exergy. They are the leaders. Uh, that's what the guys who win UCC run. That's what we run. That's what our customers run. Uh, and, and that consistency, that quality... Uh, control that they have, that, that absolute consistency for premium quality. That is why everybody loves Exergy Performance. So if you are looking for something, check them out. Also, they've gotten into the fuel additive game. If you haven't listened, go back and listen to our snake oil or science episode with Randy Harkema, one of the owners of Exergy. Did a great job breaking out why their fuel additive is real science and not just snake oil to throw in your in your fuel tank. Uh, but for today, we got Jaden. Jaden, how the hell are you? I'm doing great, Paul. How about you? Doing good, man. Jaden, I don't think we've gotten you on the show since last year when we were talking about sled pulling, if, if memory serves correctly. It was two years ago. Two years ago. Wow. Yeah, memory did the, not serve Time correctly. flies. The LB7 pulling. The LB7 pulling. That's right. And what what did you go out in this year? Uh, we got the uh, 17 F350 power stroke out this year. Ooh. Same my, as last year, but. My favorite regular cab in the fleet. Uh, Mine too. I, I like it better. God, I don't know if I can say this out loud. I like driving it like uh, any distance better than the Apache. So our boss has a 58 Apache uh, on an LB7. Um, it's nasty. It's an awesome truck. It's beautiful to look at, but fun to drive compared to that Power Stroke. Oh, man, I hate it. It hurts to say it, but but it's true. It's hard to beat the comforts of the Power Strokes, man. It really is. I mean, they all got their, their perks, but something about the Power Stroke. I'm a big fan. Now, this Power Stroke is not a sled pull exclusive truck. Uh, Alex, have you gotten a chance to drive that truck? I have not yet. It's uh, one of the ones on my list here. Uh, as you know, we've got a fleet over at Duramax Tuner, so it's uh, it's it's up there, uh, but we just haven't gotten there yet. Yeah, it, it's a it's a cool truck. Jaden, can you give us a rundown of what's been modified on that truck from stock? Because it, it looks fairly close to factory from the outside. Yeah, so... It was actually my first project here at Duramax Tuner when I started. The, uh, so it's got the full Carly suspension with uh, the four-inch lift, leveling, all that. Um, we got the S&B intake, our Stealth 67 turbo on it, and it just got a uh, uh, built trans put in it. There you go, but, finally. Oh, and WC Fab traction bars. Absolutely. No, it's a little things. <laughs> so it's a it's a leveling kit, is that right? Or or is there like a two inch lift on it? It's just a little bit up in the air from a stock one. 
Yeah, I think Carly calls it like a two-inch leveling kit. So it does raise it two inches, but the I think it's two in the rear and like three in the front to compensate. Gotcha. But it's supposed to be like the major solution to the death wobble that those trucks have from the factory. Which it had. Uh, that truck we bought yeah. sight unseen out of uh, a state away. It was five, six hours. It was the middle of COVID. Everything is on lockdown. Uh, Nick over at Duramax Tuner, boss, uh, decided he, he wanted one of these trucks. Uh, we... We literally bought it over the phone and and negotiated them delivering it, like whatever it was, four to six hours away from us and dropped it off. Uh, The first time somebody jumped in it, um, our our producer here on the podcast, also our media guy uh, over at Duramax Tuner, Justin Tyson, grabbed the camera, jumped in the front seat with Nick. They drove down the road. Uh, Justin reported back. It was the scariest single moment (laughs) of his life at Duramax Tuner. Uh, the, The wheel was shaking so violently and so hard that he literally thought the steering wheel was going to fly off the column and come across the the cab. I remember seeing the video of it. It did look pretty uh, aggressive. Yeah. Yeah, it, w- it was it was a wild wild clip. Uh we'll see if we can maybe post a link to that uh in the show notes. Uh, take a look guys. We'll see if we can figure out the technology and to to post a link. So um <laughs> Now, now, Alex, I'll tell you, this truck, the way that it's set up, with all of the emissions equipment still intact, is, I think, what makes it fairly unique. Would you say that's true, Jaden? Oh, yeah. I mean, other than a couple guys last year that we ran into that just happened to be like, eh, I'm taking my truck out for a pull to see what it can do. I mean, we were the only emissions-compliant truck that was there specifically to sled pull. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So we took that truck out last year. I think we put out a thousand dollar bounty for for three poles. So if you went to three poles, your total distance was more than ours. We give you a thousand dollars cash. We we're the only ones to show up to three poles with yeah. an emissions equipped truck. So the market's not there yet. The competitors. I don't think we got enough people who are out there that want to compete with their emissions equipped truck. I get it. I understand. We yeah. wanted to see if there's any other uh, crazy people like us out there. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I think we had two bites though out of all that that whole bounty, and it was one at one event and one at another. So yeah, nobody actually made all three. Yeah, but that's fine. That's fine. Maybe in the future, listeners, uh, if uh, you think you got an emissions equipped truck or you want to put an emissions equipped performance truck together, uh, get a hold of us over at Fans of Diesel Performance Podcast Facebook group, and uh, we'll put you in touch with the right people and see what we can do. Now, Alex. Um, have you been to sled poles before? Is this is this kind of a new sport for you? It's relatively new for me. I mean, we got to watch a couple at UCC this year, which was a ton of fun, you know, seeing who was bringing to the table. Uh, again, too, being down in the Indianapolis area, a lot of Cummins guys doing that as well. Um, but overall, I think that's really my first pole, other than, you know, 15 minutes back and forth at a county fair. Man, I don't know. The UCC being your first sled pull might be like banging a supermodel to lose your virginity to. <laughs> Pretty much. Uh, it's just hard to come back and find something that's going to be better than that later, you know? Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, but but sled pulls, I would say uh, that the the local fair sled pulls that, that Jaden's going to, there's a really cool vibe at them. Can you talk a little bit about showing up to, uh, I believe you're at the Kane County Fair over there in St. Charles, Illinois? Yeah, so it was last week we did uh, the first pull of our season i mean the season's been going but the first one we showed up to was kane county down in st charles so real small track over there i mean you're talking 300 feet and you're in the you're in the barriers yeah yeah and it is it runs into a fence like there's a there's a dirt mound and then a fence and then people are walking in it's like the entrance gate on the other side of this little fence well this year they actually threw you know extra safety precautions they put water filled plastic barriers in front of the dirt mound so you'll hit hit those first nice okay okay slow you down a little yeah slow you down a little i like it 
All right. Well, unfortunately, they got a, the area got a lot of rain the week going into it, so the the track was in real rough shape. I mean, you're talking about barely packed dirt on the ground, but. You know what? What is the impact of barely packed dirt? So, so when you say so, it's really loose. Yeah, it's a really loose track. Yeah, you can skid your your foot around the ground and put a rut in it and foot dust your shoe. Okay, and why is that a problem for sled pulling? Uh just traction. I mean, the softer the dirt with the weight behind you when you come out of the hole, the softer the dirt, the more likely your tires are going to spin underneath you. And uh, and sled pulling spinning is not winning. There you go. That's the truth of it. Uh now, now coming in, how many people were in? Because you're in the work stock class. Yeah. So how many other trucks entered the work stock class? Yeah, for 8,000 stock diesel, I believe it was 12 total. Wow. That's, that's a, a pretty good number. Yeah. For stock gas, it was one. <laughs> so. yeah yeah stock gas i i can't think of many stock gas guys out there pulling so, so I, I love to hear that but okay so stock diesel eight thousand pound stock diesel so that means that your truck you can't put weight on your truck to weigh more than eight thousand pounds now older trucks weighed under eight thousand pounds with like a four-door short bed which is like your most common setup yeah uh they would weigh under eight thousand pounds so have i seen guys who like i don't know have weights in the passenger seat or down on the floorboards yeah it happens are there guys who put weight bars in the bed uh as far forward in the bed as you can because you want the weight on the front of the truck to hold the front of the truck down um yeah yeah there's a lot of guys who did that we've done that with an lml build we used to have here at the shop uh but the ford doesn't have any of that have you scaled the ford what does the ford come in at as a regular cab long bed she can't be eight thousand pounds so it was really it was really weird last year because the scales were really inconsistent. We went up because with the LB7 we ran I think eight or nine hundred pounds of weight in the bed just because even as a crew cab short bed, but even even with a capper on it, thing only weighed maybe seventy two fifty. Yeah, it was a real light truck. So we did we figured uh, single cab Ford probably got to be lighter than that, right? Aluminum body. Yeah. So last year going into Kane County, same thing, first event of the year, we threw we threw the weight box in there with the same weight as the LV7. We're like, there's no way it's going to be over, right? Hit the scale, and we're at like 8,600 pounds. And I'm like, <laughs> how is that possible? So we got off the scale, ran back to the, the truck, started throwing weights off as fast as we could because, I mean, the event's about to start. Took all the weight out of the truck. Things bone empty. I get up there, and I'm 8,150. Yeah. And I'm like, man, this just doesn't make sense. And then the, the following event at McHenry County, I scaled up, and I was at 78.50. And now that seems to be the, the pretty close number. Most of the scales have been right around there. So I'm guessing I'm right around 7,800, 78.50. But. It's so crazy how much heavier a newer truck is, a 2019 is, compared yeah. to a 2001 or 2004, whatever that, that LB7 was, I forgot. And supposedly the body's lighter. Yeah, well, the body's lighter, yeah. but but I think if you were to look at the two frames next to each other, oh yeah, big difference. Yeah, it's night and day. It, it's they're they're totally different vehicles. I think the first time I really had my eyes open to this is when they were doing the Apache build, which I had nothing to do with. I like called the guy on Craigslist and helped buy a truck, and that <laughs> that was the end of my participation in the Apache. Um, but but yeah, it was it was really wild when they pulled a 57 frame and set it next to the LB seven frame. Oh yeah. And you're like, Oh, this one was made with duct tape and, and failing <laughs> wire. And this one is a frame. Uh, they just, they were, they, they looked like they weren't even to two vehicles, right? Yeah, like those was, old fifties frames there. There's not much to them. Yeah, exactly. So, so it was pretty wild to see. Um, 
So, so it is, and they seem to be getting heavier and heavier and, and more and more equipment that goes into them and things like that. The emissions equipment, yeah, there's weight in the emissions equipment. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think there's a 1,000 pounds of weight in the emissions equipment, but there's weight in the emissions equipment. So. Oh, yeah, definitely a couple hundred pounds there. So, so yeah, okay, so so you get weighed in. Um, what are the other pullers like? Do you get a chance to talk to the other pullers? Do you get a chance to kind of hang out with the people who are in the work stock class? Uh, yeah, usually I do. Like this, this time was because – King County always generally they make the the stock diesel guys go last, so we're kind of hanging out all night and they have plenty of time to meet, uh, mingle and talk to people. But Kane always does it first, so it was like right when I got there, I just got the truck unloaded, threw my axle stops in, aired down the front tires, and then it was like time to go to the line. Oh, really? Yeah. So this event specifically, I didn't have a chance to really talk to too many people, but uh, usually, yeah, I'll usually go around, see what guys are running, kind of see how the season's been going, if anybody. You know, anything cool has happened. Yeah. Yeah, it's, I, I always think that's probably the most uh, – it's one of the sports where, where you really have the most amount of support amongst your competitors. Drag racers, I'll hear this a lot too. I think a lot of drag racers are used to this. Uh, where, like, if you're in especially that, like, entry-level class – Everybody's really friendly. Everybody wants to help. The guys who are in the upper classes who have a lot of experience, they're willing to help. The guys who are in the middle, they're nice to you. It's like it's a really, really easy one to enter. I will say the biggest frustration I always have going to a sled pole as opposed to going to drag racing is the instructions of what to do and where to be at one time is generally organized chaos at best. Or just non-existent. Yes, yes. So we have had polls where we walked around for 30 or 40 minutes trying to find where the sign-up is. Because uh, you're at a county fair in the middle of Wisconsin, and you don't know the sled pole group, and you don't know any organizers, and you just you saw they were having a sled pole, and you show up, and there's like, they don't put up big signs. And like, it's just, it's a very like local community that might take a minute or two to kind of crack into. Yeah, drag racing generally somebody is on the speaker talking the entire time you are there, uh, and they generally if you can just just hone in and listen to that loudspeaker for yeah. about ten minutes, you probably will hear everything they had to say for the day. Well, so. nice things are drag strips are you know purpose built, so the only things going on there is drag racing. Whereas most of these are at the county fairgrounds in their arena or whatever, so you know it's not ever it's not a sled pull going on there every weekend. It's they kind of built to whatever events going on, so. It's not like a drag strip where, like, oh, those arrows clearly show you to the staging lane and all that. These are clearly the staging lanes. Yeah. Sled pulling, it's just like, eh, go by that guy over there. (laughs) You're lucky if they do an announcement over the grandstand to be like, and the sled pole meeting is now taking place at at behind the porta potties. And, like, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that. With Uh, the fair audio, it's more like, like, what did that guy just say? I don't know. That's that's happened so many times. So many times time so but that's okay i i think it it takes that passion to get into sled pulling and go out and and have fun at, at 25 or 30 miles an hour uh which is always my jab at sled pulling like Jaden, you've been doing it for a while now here at the company did you ever sled pull before you started here no no the uh the lb7 was the first crack at it i mean i oh, i grew up in this area so i'd go into county fairs is something i did since a kid so i've always been aware of sled pulling i used to always watch it I, I was big into the watching the tractor pulls growing up, but yeah, yeah. So I knew what it was about, but definitely being behind the wheels a a whole different experience than being a spectator. I remember seeing the tractor pulls as a kid and not getting it. Yeah, like I just I I was like these are really cool 
kind of tractor-ish things, right? Because like they have two engines and four engines yeah. and crazy shit like that. And then some of them look like, you know, you could have saw them in the field on the way there. Um, <laughs> so you're like never quite sure. So I remember doing it, but I, remember, I, I just never remember understanding the mechanics of it. And then when I, I, I got around here more and I started getting around diesel performance, and like learning the way that the weight box moves and how it's timed to move and how much weight is in the weight box on the sled and then like different sleds have different results and some are more aggressive and some aren't yeah. and, and there's there's all these variables where it is a very much a DIY hobbyist community it, it's not like even National Truck Pullers Association like yeah you, you know ISP the club we pull with it's just, it's a club name like honestly yeah. like it's it's not federally regulated you no, know what I mean there's no like actual professionals who do this just just this for a living um, so it, it is something that takes a lot of, you gotta have a lot of fucks to give about very little. Cause even winning, uh, especially in the entry level class, the work stock class, what, what does the winner get at a poll? Depending on 40, how many 60 entrants. bucks, a hundred I mean, bucks. Yeah, maybe around a hundred. I and mean, if there's a big class, you'll get a bit more, but yeah, I mean, a hundred's a good day. If you, if you walk home with that, it's a really good day. So, you know, it pays then, for your fuel and. You hope, yeah, maybe, maybe yeah, fueling at, a couple corn dogs at three fifty a gallon, four bucks a gallon for diesel. Like depending on how far you have to drive to some of these, because the club oh, yeah. we pull with is from really kind of focused more in like central, like further south than us. Oh, I yeah. think is definitely where they're they're centralized. Yeah, kind of like the Paw Paw, Mendota, Pontiac area, all there. Yeah, so not quite central Illinois, maybe the north end of central Illinois. That's probably what I would call them. Uh, but it's not like just because they're the ISP, they're not like they don't go down and pull in southern Illinois. No, you, you know, like we're about as far north as they go. So, so it's always pretty interesting to see. Um, all right, so so you get up to the line. What order did you pull? Did you pull early in the pack or end of the pack? Yeah, I was actually the uh, second pull for diesel stock, third of the night because the one gas truck they went before us. But yeah, then I was the second eight thousand stock diesel. Nice. Okay. What the, now? The guy before you. When you don't get to see a lot, man, you're at the top of the class. Oh, That's yeah. where I always get nervous. I always would prefer because sometimes they say tracks go away. So sometimes tracks, obviously, as you go through it more and more and more, you can dig roots into it. And then if they don't have the equipment to really maintain it, if the dirt's not right to maintain the track, um, or if they just don't know what the fuck they're doing, we've seen all of these. Yeah. Um, sometimes the track gets worse as the night goes on. So going late in the order means. Well, this this track could be damn near ruined by the time I get to it. But if you go first, you don't have a lot of time to scope out the track. So you don't have a lot of time to see, well, what's the lane the other guys are going in? Because sometimes kind of all of the, the drivers will pick like, oh, I'm going to veer left at the end or I'm going to yeah. veer right at the end. And you might get a little bit more traction there. It might be a little bit more downhill there. So, like there's some sort of alleged advantage. I think a lot of this is snake oil, but but it feels like there's an advantage to knowing those things how do you look at it oh i definitely feel like there is just especially just getting the chance to watch a few hooks ahead of you kind of see how they're doing how they're leaving the line are they blowing the tires off right away are they actually you know hooking up which is funny because this one was kind of the opposite it seemed like the track got better as the night went on because it oh, seemed like really? most of the topsoil there was really loose so as that kind of got beat up and then they you know they constantly pack it down after each run it seemed like people were hooking up a little bit better Whereas my time I went, I, I blew the tires right off it. And, of course, like you said, I didn't have any time to really scope out how the track was looking. I'm third guy in the line, and I'm trying a whole different, like, launch strategy this time. I'm trying to start in a higher gear and just trying to, like, see what I can do with the truck to get a little bit more out of it. And then, of course, the, 
the tra- the track is in not optimal condition. So it's like, oh, now I got to scrap my whole plan. And what gear did you start in? I, w- I went for a third gear start this time. <whistles> yeah, so I was trying to get a little bit, a couple more feet out of her, and it took it well. But that's probably part of the reason why I lost traction right out of the hole because pretty aggressive uh, gear ratio and no uh, and loose soil on top. Yeah. Was there a specific strategy for being in that third gear this time around, or what would the benefit have been if you did it right? Um, just you get you get more wheel speed or ground speed, I should say, not wheel speed. Wheel speed's gonna hurt you, but yeah, you get the, the goal is to get as much ground speed as I can as fast as I can because, like you said, the, the weight box comes up as the tra- the sled goes down the track. So the the fastest you can get going, the quickest is the best because as you go down the track, it's just getting heavier and heavier. So if you can get a lot of ground speed out of the hole, you'll you'll carry that inertia through. And on uh, this particular pole, how much were you carrying behind you? Uh, I'm not a hundred percent sure what it is because I think they kind of adjust the weight accordingly, and I think they weighted it down a little bit heavier because of how short the track was. Mm. Yeah, so the weight in the weight box. What a great question, Alex. So the weight in the weight box is always a mystery. They'll never announce it. Not yep. that I've ever seen anyway. No, Maybe somebody knows either. it, but I've never heard them announce how much weight they put in there. So what they will generally do is have somebody come out and run a test hook, or mm-hmm. they offer uh, you could drop. So if you're the first hook, yeah, first hook. Uh, you get the choice to keep it or drop it. And mm-hmm. if you drop your drop, it means you're going to drop this number. You're going to go back to the end of the pack. So if you're first there's a lot of decisions to make to figure out oh, okay was this the best hook i could possibly make is the track going to get worse is the track going to get better there's all those questions that swirl around when you're first and you have the choice to turn it down or you drop got it. 10 seconds to make that choice yeah they, they the guy it. walks up to you at the window he's like you want it or you don't yeah. uh yeah i'll take it yep and then so, the guy beats you by a foot and you're like well <laughs> i should have turned it down that's that's often too is is I don't know how many rehooks really pay off. Sled pulling, you also like you don't get a practice hook. Nope. Generally, if they run a test hook, if somebody goes out and does a test hook, um, a lot of times what I've seen is maybe somebody who's not necessarily in that class tonight. Yeah. So they might pull a stock truck off the side, or one of the organizers uh, might have a truck or something like that. So sometimes they'll come out and they'll have that. Sometimes they have one of the guys in the class come out and run a test hook. Uh, and then go back and get in the line. But it's usually your first first guy in line. He is the test hook. They run it. Now, what that does is is your operators generally have an idea of, like, they can look at the track, they can look at their machine, they look at the trucks, and they have an idea of how much weight they should put in there. But, but it's not like it's not like something you plug into a formula, you, you know, and like, oh, okay, here's how much weight I have. They don't – it's not – there's too many variables for that to be accurate. There's just too much math for the, the presenters, the promoters. A little bit, I think a little bit of both. It's there's a reality here that, like, how do I mathematically describe how wet the dirt is? It's like, well, there's a number to do that, but like, am I going to bring that test equipment to have that number? It's like, if you gathered every detail, I'm sure you could. But it's not practical. It's not realistic. So, so what you have to do is have a little bit of experience, a little bit of gut, and then you have to test it. So, so they'll let you run out, and what they want to see is. They don't want to really see anybody go past 300 feet. Yeah, I was just going to say, they seem to aim for about that 300-foot mark. 300-foot. I don't know if this is insurance-related, if this is culture-related. I don't know if this is just, like, breaks. Like, you got to remember, like, you're not only running a truck 300 feet that some of these trucks, especially at the bigger stuff, make 1,000-plus horsepower. But they now have a giant trailer with a huge weight and a giant 
plow on the front of it that they're dragging behind them. So if, if that chain breaks or if their hitch oh, breaks yeah. and that truck runs away, which we've seen, we've seen guys who panic and don't know how to hit the brakes or panic and just can't hit the brakes or panic and they hit the brakes, but there's so much momentum going and so much torque that once they get moving to get that truck to stop again could be really dangerous. Well, and it goes against your instinct too because you're, you're like, I mean, at least I do. I beat it into my head, like, do not touch that brake pedal. Because if you if you hit the brakes mid-sled hook, that sled's going to slam into the back of you, and it's going to hit you hard. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So so that's a great point, so too. you got to almost, like, throw away what you forced yourself to think. Like, oh, shit, chain go. Now i got to hit the brakes, actually. Yeah. Which is very hard to do. In a so, second. So... So some fields we've been to, there's a floating finish. That's generally if they have a lot of runway after 300 feet. Then they'll say it's a floating finish, 300 feet's a full pole. Floating finish means whoever goes the furthest tonight, we're going to let them run out until they stop. That's going to be the winner. Uh, there's other tracks that if you're at a shorter track and there's, there's limitations, they have to put up barrels, there's walkways, there's other shit going on, uh, they may say full pulls come back around and, and they'll do a pull-off at the end. And then they increase yeah. the weight to do the pull-off. Because mm. if they keep adding weight, eventually people won't be able to make 300 feet. Or two, I've seen 250-foot tracks, right? So it's like there's 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 ways to kind of work through it depending on what your situation is. I mean, it's, those sleds can stop pretty about anything. Yeah. yeah. I mean, they fully weight up that box. I mean, I'm pretty sure it'll stop a tank. It, it's essentially a big plow that's being drug in the ground behind you. So, yeah. like, literally like a snowplow being welded to a trailer that's behind you that you're pulling, and it's just dragging into the ground deeper and further the further you pull it. And then there's tons of weight on top of it. Like, yeah, they're designed to stop you. That, that's what they're there yeah. for. And I think about three-quarters up the rails, the box hits a switch, and it pushes two hydraulic rams out the back of the pan, and it picks the whole back of the truck up, too. So then it's <laughs> just, just a pan in the dirt. There's no wheels yeah. or nothing touching the ground. If you watch the sled— when it gets to that point, you'll see the back wheel spinning. Yep. Because, yeah, it's literally nothing but weight into a pan with giant plows in it and the clay dirt. That's it. So so it, it's it's a brutal sport on your truck. Uh, oh, yeah. It's, there, there's a reason. To, if you were to run a 500 feet of that, you're, you're talking about low speed, high stress on engines, which is a great way to blow something up. That's yeah. just a great way to overheat something. So I always joke about sled pullers. It's the most fun you could have under 30 miles an hour. Uh, it's, it's the most glorious you could feel in 20 seconds. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a pretty quick experience. And unfortunately, it's not, like I said before, it's not something you get to drag racing. You could go out and fuck around on a test and tune day or a, oh, yeah. or a diesel day at a drag strip. You could make 10, 20, 30 passes in a night. Sled pulling, you could go sit around for six hours and get one pull. And that's generally what you do. That the, Most pulls, especially for work stock class, that is what you get. Uh, and it won't be until next week, at best, until you can pull again. So it's like you you can't practice this every day. I think that's why some guys take years to really get good at doing this and really hone in that expertise and that yeah. skill. And then what to do with that expertise and that skill is, is a whole other thing to learn. I think I was telling Ben that with the, the pull after I'd hooked. And I was like, man, it'd be a whole different sport if you can get a practice hook in. And I would have known the track is the way it was. I could have changed my whole strategy. But I'm literally out there moving by the time I'm making these adjustments. It's like, oh, no. <laughs> Tires blown off, wheels going crazy. He's like, all right, got to back off. Do I do I stop at the hundred foot and go for a rehook, or do I stay in it? Yeah. I mean, you got to make all these decisions in a second, and your adrenaline is through the roof. That's right. I was telling Ben also, I was like, man, you'll never find anything that'll spike your adrenaline more for just thirty seconds. <laughs> so, but in addition to that, here, uh, when 
where in the lineup did you finish? I believe it was fourth. So that's still pretty good out of 12. Yeah. Yeah, I did uh, 256, and then I believe the winner was 266. Ten feet. Now, here's the other question, especially the work stock class we run in this. Our club, the club we pull with, does not spec the work stock class. You're not actually a sanctioned class. Correct. Uh, the work stock class is put on by the local promoters, and ISP facilitates it. Yeah. So, so it's not their class, so they don't spec it. That means that there's no tech. That means nobody comes out and measures your turbo and verifies that your truck doesn't have nitrous on it or, you know, a jet thruster or whatever nonsense yeah. people are, are putting out there to get past something. I mean, I checked my own weight at St. Charles. Yeah, yeah. It's, you're not even required looked, oh, yep. to weigh in. That's that's what we found is, like, there there's no there's no verification. It's like, this is the hobby class. Come on in and, and be a hobbyist. Generally... Uh, we find at least one truck at every work stock pull that very clearly violates all of the rules, uh, but it's still out there pulling with us. We have never called foul. Uh, that's We're there to have fun. If we win, great. Yeah. We're really proud of that. If we lose to that guy, we're only a little bit salty, uh, but we could take that on the chin. We know what we're doing. We know what the class should be. We know what competitors we beat and what they had. And we're proud of that. I mean, it's easy to accept a loss when the guy's got two, three hundred horsepower over you. It's like, well, you know, he should have beat me. Yeah, yeah, I'd be really fucking pissed at like, whoever actually, built he should have beat me by more. Right. That's <laughs> usually my thought. Is I'm like, you only got four feet on me, huh? Um, but okay. But th that's sled pulling is there's there's an old rule, and I'm not saying that's what happened in St. Charles. Um, if you're not cheating, you're not winning, and that that's generally true to some some extent in sled pulling. Yeah, it's just kind of an accepted fact. Uh, it's more about who could be slicker uh, and use that to their advantage. Because we have seen trucks with two, 300 horsepower more than everybody else in the class end up in last place. So oh, yeah. there's, you, you still have to have some experience and some knowledge to be able to apply uh, whatever advantage you give yourself. I don't, I don't remember which truck it was because we were back filming something at the truck. But uh, someone made a pull right at the end of the, the work stock class. And, I mean, you could I couldn't see the truck, but I could see the smoke stack and it looked like a locomotive going down the thing and you could just hear it and i remember justin looked over at me he's like that thing wasn't stock <laughs> like, yeah well it is what it is that's that's oh that's okay too i've also been with the company when we you, you know entered a work stock sled pull with a, a twin turbo five nine yeah um, do that again which it did have the factory turbo on the truck yeah so if that it counts kind of count don't worry about the s480 that was bolted to the front of that turbo but but it, it's it had a stock turbo on there so yeah. kind of kind of cool all right guys well Jaden, thank you so much for joining us and talking about it where's the next poll you're going to be at uh next one will be i believe it's august 6th for McHenry county fair in woodstock right here in our hometown nice and then shortly after that i think two or three days after that is boone county fair boone out county in fair. belvedere illinois if you are in the northern Illinois area, McHenry County, Boone County, King County area, uh, check out the fairs. Come check out the polls. Jaden will be there. You can come uh, admire his sled pull expertise anytime you want. That's also the last two events of our uh, shootout. That's it. Yep. Stealth Series shootout. Going to be a big one. Uh, I think pretty standard. We're giving away a cooler. Who knows what else we'll show up with this year. Yep. So for today, this has been Paul Wilson. And I'm Alex Hogue. Thank you so much for listening. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Uh, this has been Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. Make sure to like and subscribe, and we'll talk to you again soon. What? Is this You're close good. enough? Right. Yeah.
should be fun. Thank you for the end of the episode clip. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs>